Well, the last few weeks, we've uh, been talking about God caring for us, and there's just more here. We need to get out while we're here. You know, don't ever let anything be too simple for us. It's the foundational things that determine where we go. Sometimes we're looking for, for things that are uh, new or flashy, and it's, it's the things, it's the fundamentals that sometimes we don't have down or that we could be more settled in, more encouraged in, or we just need a refresher in. Maybe we've heard things in a measure, but we just need to, we need a, a, a good filling in something. And this is one of those things. If you don't believe that God cares for you, really believe it, I mean, not intellectually, not religiously. I mean, we can come to church, oh yeah, God cares for me. Go right out and act like he doesn't. If, if that's the case, then it's not doing us any good. That's being a Pharisee. That's being a religious person. No, if we really believe he cares for us, then we're going to act differently. If you believe some, somebody cares for you, then you act differently than when you think they don't like you. You know, and, and you have an enemy in the earth, Satan, he's the enemy of your soul. He's trying to convince you that God doesn't like you. He's trying to separate you from God. You know, if, he's, if you've already been born again, then, you know, uh, he, he can't stop that. Too late. So what is he going to try to do? Well, get you to be alienated from God. Get you to believe that, that God is not really for you. Well, that's, I mean, you could act like you're unsaved. You could act like you're not taking... You're not taking care or uh, taking advantage of things that are already yours. But let's look. We're going to run through these uh, different versions of 1 Peter 5, verse 6, just briefly. 1 Peter 5, verse 6 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. That's the reason why. Because he, he cares for you so you don't have to worry. You don't have to be concerned because you know he loves you and he cares for you. The Amplified Classic of verse 7 says, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns once and for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. He cares for you affectionately, about you watchfully. In the Amplified, it says he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. In the Living Bible, it says, let him have all your worries and cares, for he is always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. Every, every, say this, everything that concerns me. God's watching it. So he cares for me. So he, he is that attentive that he's watching everything that concerns me. The Phillips says you can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him for you are his personal concern. You are his personal concern. So let's look re really briefly, Matthew 25 verse, or Matthew 6 verse 25. We read this, but I just want to hook up with the end, and then we're going to go forward with that. It says, therefore, this is Jesus speaking, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body than more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he says this, 
are you not of more value than they? Jesus is asking a question. He says they f- he feeds the, God feeds the birds of the air, and then he asks the questions, are you not of more value than they? Now, we need to know the answer to that question. We need to know it's yes, and we can say, well, yeah, that's yes. Why is it yes? I'm going to spend some time on that this morning. Why is that true? Are you sure he doesn't like one of the birds better than you? I mean, we know that the right answer is, of course, he, he likes me better. But how much does he like you? How much does he actually care for you? I mean, why do we know that? Well, right now we just read the Bible said he cares for you. Well, we need to know firmly that he cares for us. And to a degree, you can quantify it. Not, not precisely, but generally speaking, and in broad strokes, getting in the ballpark, you can quantify how much he cares for you, just based on the word. In other words, it's not a numerical value, but when you're talking about order of magnitude, little, you know, big, super big, we need to know He cares for us and values us much, much more than any bird or any lots of birds. And we're going to see that. Let's look at Ephesians 1 verse 3. You know, we need to look at the Bible. The Bible needs to be our source of truth. And then we need to act on what it says, not on our experience and not on our feelings. Okay? Not on your experience growing up and people that did or did not love you. Great if you had family that loved you. Great if you had people that loved you. But some people did not have that experience. Some people had people, their example is they, they, did, they had people that didn't love them or were supposed to love them and didn't, didn't care for them. And that can make it difficult when you come to our Father God to know that He actually cares for you. Because you might have had people tell you they cared for you, but then they did the opposite. And that can be a hurdle when you're coming to God and you don't feel like He loves you. And if you go by feelings, you're going to miss it. If you go by what the Word says, and what he has done, then you can receive his love based on that, and you won't be up and down and all over the place. So it's not about feeling something. We're going to look at the proof, the Bible, these, the, the, what the Bible tells us concerning God caring for us and he loves you, him loving us. Ephesians 1 verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in every spiritual blessing, or with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption by son, as sons by Jesus Christ, to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So a couple things here. Go back to verse 4. It says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So this is not a new thing. God knew you before the foundation of the world. So he's known you since before you were born, since before this world was created, And he decided to do something about it so that he could have a relationship with you and me. 
It said that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Verse 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. He made us accepted in a way, in a certain path, He made us accepted in the Beloved. That's Jesus. We're going to see that more clearly. Ephesians 1.6 in the Passion Translation it says, for it, always, it was always His perfect plan to adopt us as His delightful children through our union with Jesus, the Anointed One, so that His tremendous love that ca- cascades uh, over us would glorify His grace for the same love He has for us, for His beloved one, Jesus, He has for us. We read that in John seventeen twenty three. It says, for God loves us the way He loves Jesus. And this unfolding plan brings him great, great pleasure. So see, it's because we're connected with Jesus that he's loving us. In the message, it says, how blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by His love. Long, long ago, He decided to adopt us into His family through Jesus Christ. And said, what pleasure He took in planning this, He wanted us to enter into the celebration of this lavish gift, or His lavish gift by the hand of His beloved Son. So it's through Jesus that we are right with God, and it's through Jesus. God loves us because we are in Christ, and we're adopted in Christ into His family because of what Jesus did. That is the pathway. Now, let's look at 1 Peter 1, verse 17. It says, And if you call on the Father who without partiality... Judges, according to each one's work, conduct yourselves through the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot." It says, verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold gold from the aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but how were you redeemed with the precious blood of Christ? In the Amplified Classic, it says, but you were purchased with the precious blood of Christ, the Messiah, like that of a sacrificial lamb without blemish, or spot. In 1 Corinthians 6.20, it says, For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So here in verse 19 of 1 Peter, it says you were redeemed. You were redeemed with the precious blood of the Lamb. Redeemed. Now, you can see this with other versions, but you're going to see redeemed over and over this morning. And what you need to put in your mind is purchased, bought, paid for, redeemed. Just if you look it up in the the Merriam-Webster dictionary, it means to buy back, to repurchase, 
It also, another meaning means to free from what uh, distresses or harms, such as to free from captivity by payment of a ransom, to release from blame or debt, to clear, to, f- to free from the consequences of sin. That's what redeem means. What were we redeemed with? The precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We were purchased. You could say purchased. We were redeemed. We were bought back. You also say we were purchased by the blood of Christ. In the Amplified Classic, verse 19 says, but you were purchased with the precious blood of Christ, the Messiah, like that of a sacrificial lamb without blemish or spot. We just read in 1 Corinthians 6.20, it says you were bought at a price. What was the price that was paid? The precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. What is the value of something on the earth? It's determined by what somebody will pay for it. It's not determined by what somebody lists it for. It's, it's, It's determined by what somebody will actually pay for it. You know, the housing market crazy now. Of course, it's been crazy before. It just keeps, you know, you look at what houses were back in the 60s and 70s. It's just ridiculous how low they were, but the dollar was worth so much more. So it's not actually <laughs> that much cheaper. You know, we're inflation. Houses are, are crazy. But what, is, what determines the value at a, of a house at any given time? It's what somebody is willing to pay for. It. That determines the value. If somebody's willing to pay for it, Exchange, money exchanges hands, and that's the market value. It's not determined by what somebody asks for it. It's determined by what somebody will pay for it. You know, and depending on the condition of the house, you know, we, we just sold a house in, in Oklahoma and needed a lot of work. Well, we're not going to get the same value as somebody that's just marketing pristine clear. And so we understand that you get offers based on what somebody else is going to have to do for work in order to resell it. So that there's a market value. You know, it, it's crazy what some what, what individuals will pay for certain items on the earth. And you say, well, that's not worth that. You can't say that if somebody is willing to exchange money for it. That is what it's worth. To them, it's worth that. Now, you may think it's not worth that. But if somebody is willing in the market to pay it, it is worth that to somebody. And what is worth something to some one person is worth nothing to another. You know, you just think of uh, certain items that are, um, you know, antique or classic. You know, you could have you could have a car um, that is, you know, it's decades old, and it's sitting in somebody's backyard, and it doesn't look like much to somebody that with a you know a untrained eye, but and somebody could come up and look at that and go, "That's an old car. How much would you give for?" I give you know. 250 bucks, if that, it just, if I, if it runs, you know, I can get me around. And maybe somebody just thinks that somebody else thinks, well, you know, that's a, I've seen that before. And it kind of reminds me of childhood. You know, I'd give you $5,000 for it just to have it sit in my garage. Somebody that knew something about it. And it was a, it, it was it, it actually in very good condition under the hood. Maybe it had some, some cosmetic things, but knew that it was actually in this day and age, not common to come across that. Looks at it and says, I'll give you 150000 for it right now. 
Because they, to them, they know the value of it. To them, it is valuable. So what is the value of something? It's what somebody is willing to give for it. What was given for you and me? It is the highest price that's ever been paid for anything. The blood of Jesus. You are not that your value and how much you are worth in the eyes of God is not determined by what somebody else said about you. It's not determined by what you think about you. It's not determined by somebody growing up, what, what they said about you or how they valued you or how little they valued you. Because God paid the highest price for you that's ever been paid for anything. The blood of Jesus. That's how much God cares about you. That's how much He values you and me. So you can't say, well, God just doesn't care for me. He proved it. He redeemed you. And any thought that would tell you something else is a lie. That's like there's this, you know, car there and uh, somebody's trying to talk, you know, somebody's going to try to snake the guy that, that owns it and say, oh, that's an old junker. It's not worth anything. I'll give you, you know, $500, 1000 And he knows full well that thing, he could restore it and sell it for hundreds of thousands. That's what the devil does. He looks at you and he tries to convince you you're nothing. You can't do anything. Look at you. Look at what you've done. Look at what you are. Look at what they said of you. They don't like you. Look at what they said, at, said about you at school. Look at what they said about you at work. Look at what your parents said about you. Look in the mirror. <laughs> you don't look like those people, you know, in the movies or Instagram. Who says that you're valuable? You know, people value themselves by fake stuff that's projected to them in movies and on social media, and that stuff's not real. And then kids growing up are looking and comparing themselves to people. I'm not saying, you know, there are people that are beautiful or in good shape, but, you know, it, it's not real so much of what we kids compare themselves, adults compare themselves to, determine their value by a completely secular and worldly value system, that's not the way God sees it. And if we're not careful, we get into that. Your value goes up one day because you think you're doing well. Your value goes down another day because you think you messed up. Your value, you know, you think you look good, so you know you feel valuable that day. You think you don't look good, bad hair day or whatever, well, I'm not as valuable today. That's all nonsense. God paid the, the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ for you. And he values you regardless of what you look like on any given day, regardless of what somebody else said, regardless of thoughts that may come across your mind. He's bigger than your failures. He's, he's bigger than mistakes. He's bigger than what anybody said. God values us, and he proved it based on what he paid for us to be in his family. He wanted us so much, he paid the price of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we do not even haven't even begun to understand how much that is. 
I think it becomes a religious thing to us. Oh, Jesus, you know, died for my sin. In the court of the universe, God gave His Son. Jesus identified with us forever. And I don't think we understand what that means. He identified with mankind forever. The, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, as part of the Trinity, He identified with mankind forever. He has a flesh and bone body forever. He looks like you and me forever. The Bible says the scars in His hands are there. You say, How, why does He have scars? The Bible says He does. And He's identifying with you and me. That means that price, every time you see Him, that price, you'll know He paid that price for you. It's not something that just, oh, it goes back to reset and everything's fine. We just did this little transaction called the, you know, uh, the death, burial, and, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, but now everything went back. No, He paid a price. He paid a price for us. And every time, so it's not, it's not sufficient for you and I to look up to God and say, well, I just don't feel worthy. We need to take what He said and believe it and say, you paid that price for me. I'm not going to spit on that and count it as something not to be esteemed by saying I'm not worthy. And you don't, you don't care for me because I don't feel it. I don't feel special today. What does that have to do with it? it you know, today it's sunny. It's been raining. Yesterday it was raining all day. Does that mean the sun's not shining? Above there? Above the clouds? The sun's still there. Well, I just don't feel like it's a nice day. And then we feel good because it's sunny? Well, that's the way some people look at their relationship with God. Well, I don't feel like He cares about me today. Therefore, I'm just nothing, and I'm just going to listen to all this garbage that's going through my head. We need to come right back with what the Bible said and say, no, He paid the highest price that's ever been. That'd be a good sticky note for you to put on your bathroom mirror. God paid the highest price that's ever been paid for for anything for me. He values me. That's essentially what the, you put these scriptures up. He cares for me, and this is what this means. 1 John 2, 2 says, He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. In the God's Word translation, it, that same verse says, He is the payment for our sins, and not for our, only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. He is the payment for the whole world. So He said, you can't quantify that you can't put a dollar amount on it. That changes anyway. Why would you? You can't, you can't quantify it with gold and silver. God created all the planets, all the precious quote-unquote metals in the universe He created. And Christ's blood is worth more than all of it in the universe, not on planet Earth. Because people are more precious than any amount of silver and gold. So you can't quantify the dollar amount. What dollar amount changes daily? Exchange rate changes daily. You know, like we said, there's inflation. What a dollar amount today is so much different than a dollar amount at, you know, in 1900 or 1920. You don't, you don't measure Christ's blood by that. But the fact that it was worth more than enough to pay for the sin and redeem, purchase, purchase back, buy back, clear, the whole world, everybody that's ever lived, 
Christ's blood was more than enough to buy back all those people. And that's the degree, that's the ballpark we're talking about, that he values you. So it's not a few dollars. It's not a little bit of gold. It's not, it's not like, you know, you're, you're talking about purchasing some property. Or something. Well, what are we talking ballpark? Are we talking tens of thousands? Are we talking hundreds? Are we talking millions? Are we talking hundred million? Are we talking billions? I mean, this, these are ballparks. We, when you're talking, you know, are you even in the ballpark, people? So are we even talking the same language? Yeah. If somebody's thinking you're in the hundreds of thousands and they're talking millions, you're not talking the same language. You're not in the same ballpark. When we're talking the blood of Jesus, we're not talking any of those things. We're talking about the price of every soul that's ever existed is what Christ's blood. It's in a whole league of itself. So when you talk about value, you do not look at, at yourself and go, well, I'm just not valuable. You are so precious that God paid that premium, high price for you to be in his family. And you cannot say, well, it's, it's everybody, but it wasn't me. He redeemed everybody. It's those that will believe on it. So you're included in that. That thought is from the pit of hell. That thought is trying to disqualify and say, well, it's for everybody, but it really wasn't so much for you. It was for these other people. That is a lie. Because he paid for every person to be right with him, and it's if they'll believe on him and believe on what he did that it makes it right. It isn't determined by the person. That's acting like some people in their sinful state are worth more than others. That's not true. You are worth just as much as any person. By the Lord's standard, he paid the same price for you. Now, what you do with it is a different thing. If we'll receive it and we act on it, we want to glorify him, but that doesn't make you more valuable. It just makes you able to flow with what he's already given you and enjoy the benefits of being in the family and being purchased. It doesn't make you more valuable, though. God loves each member of his family and has bestowed blessing on each member of his family, but we, by a reaction, can take advantage of it more. Some people may be taking advantage of it more than, than us. That doesn't mean God loves them more. It just means that they're taking advantage of what he's already given to them. So when you look at somebody, don't, well, God, don't say, well, God favors that person. The Bible clearly says God shows favoritism to no person, but he does operate in the laws of faith. If we'll believe him, now we can take what he's already bought and paid for. It may look like God favors somebody. That's only because they may be cooperating with what he's already done and believe that they're valuable in his sight and believe his word more than we are. That doesn't mean God does not indiscriminately favor somebody. It's because of what, how our reaction to him. It's how we're going to react. And the thing is, he already knows how we're going to react. He already knows what, how we're going to act on the, over the long haul. You still have to follow through and do it, but you receive things. So God, in his infinite wisdom, he, he calls people. He plans their life. He knows what they're, how they're going to react. What's our job? We, just, we, don't, we want to just believe what he said. We get, we get into the mode of, I am going to believe 
that what he said is true. What the scriptures that we're reading here, that's my truth. Away with the things that are telling me I'm not worthy or that somehow God doesn't love me or somebody told me 20 years ago that I wasn't worth something. I'm done with taking that as my valuation. That is an invalid valuation in the court of the universe. God is right. We need to push back on any thoughts and say, no, that is wrong. It may feel like it's true. It may feel like those thoughts are, or those, the thoughts that you've had that are against God's word or what somebody said that's negative about you, it may feel true. But when God says something else, he is right. And so we have to push back and say, God is right. He is the one that's right. I am going to say what he said, and I am valuable, and I am everything he told me in his word that I am, and I'm going to walk in it. If he said I'm valuable, who am I to say, well, I'm just not that valuable? That is not humble. That is arrogant and stupid. If God Almighty told you you're valuable and you are precious and you can do what he said you can do, then for you to look him in the face and say, well, I'm just, I'm just not all that, you are going against what he said. You are calling him either a liar or ignorant. See, that is not humble. That is arrogance. That is pride. To say anything else but what God says about you is pride. See, pride doesn't look like just, oh, I'm all that, I'm so great. Pride can look like, oh, I'm just so messed up. I know, I tried, I tried, but I messed up, and I just can't do it. Oh, I'm just so humble. No, that's pride. Humility would say, I may have messed up, but the blood of Jesus takes care of this, and I'm running right back, and I'm going to repent, and I'm going to say, God, I'm so thankful that even though I've messed up, your blood has bought and paid for me to be a son or a daughter of Almighty God, and I'm going to walk in that even though I don't deserve it. That is humility, because you may feel like, but I missed it, but I'm stupid, but the, and you have to push back on that. You have to exercise faith in this area as much as any other area. You have to push back and say, no, what God said is right, and I am going to walk in that. I believe it. He does care for me. Well, I just don't feel like it. He does. He said it, and he proved it, and he's paid the price for me. Enough of this nonsense. I believe him. I'm going to read you some more verses over and over. He purchased us. He redeemed us. I'm going to read you these. Uh, We're going to go through a few more of them. Ephesians 1 verse 7. Don't let this just be words. This is God's, uh, don't just just words that go in your, your ear and out the other. Let them be his word to you. Ephesians 1 7, in him we have redemption. How? Through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. In Him we have what? Redemption. What's redemption? He's purchased us back. He's redeemed us. He's cleared us. It says what? Through His blood. In the NLT version of the same verse, He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He purchased your freedom. See, Satan will try to tell you, no, you're bound. You're bound. I still, you know, whatever way. And just you having a low opinion of yourself in whatever area is a way of bond. It's a, it's a method of bondage. Yes. 
You know, you can be, bond, you can be uh, bound by a self-image. Something can bind you your whole life because somebody said something to you or you somehow developed that. You know, people are, can be so cruel and mean. Kids especially can be so cruel and mean. You know, you have to watch it. Uh, you know, you guys that are in school, middle school, high school, uh, you have to understand that stuff that comes out, of course, adults too, but let me just focus on this. You have, to, you have to understand that the stuff that comes out of other people's mouth, other kids' mouth, especially unbelievers, they, if they are unbelievers, the thoughts that float through their mind, they don't understand that there's a devil. They don't understand that every thought isn't there. And Satan can just give them thoughts, and he's really trying to hit you and using their mouth as a weapon against you. And you have to understand this, and you have to push back. Adults, too. You have to understand that just because somebody said something to you, that Satan is weaponizing their mouth against you. And you can't take it as truth. You have to take what God's Word says as truth, and that has to be your foundation and has to be your security. And it doesn't matter if 50 people call you whatever, you know, something de deriding you, something devaluing you, you, because God Almighty, the King of the universe, values you and loves you and cares about you and has redeemed you, you are valuable and you stand in the face of it and say, oh, no, I'm not. Doesn't matter how many people, doesn't matter how many circumstances, circumstances. doesn't matter how many failures in whatever arena come against you. You look it in the eye and say, oh no, God has redeemed me and I am valuable and you stand up. That's what we need to do. If, it, if we put our value on any other thing, but what we're talking about here on the blood of Jesus and what God esteems us, you will, it will falter under pressure. People will fail you. Have you found that out? People are not perfect. Even when they don't mean to fail you, you, you can't rely on somebody propping you up or call, telling you that you're doing a good job or giving you a nice look or giving you a compliment or recognizing your new outfit or your hairstyle. And people, it, they could, they're, they're thinking about something else. Well, they didn't, they didn't look at me. They did, I feel bad now. You can't put that kind of pull and pressure on a human being. And if we're going to grow up, and we're going to be strong in the Lord. We have to go by what he said and not what anything else, anybody else says in this world. Say, no, no, I'm redeemed. And yeah, nobody said it's easy. In the face of a failure, in the face of somebody, nobody, everybody likes to be liked. I don't know anybody that says, I just love it when people just call me names at work or call me how stupid I am or incompetent. Or, you know, somebody in the government tells me, oh, you're a moron. Why don't you get this together? No, no nobody likes that, that I know of. Sure, we like it when people like us, but if they don't, we can't fold. We can't say, well, I mean, I guess that's what I am. No, we have to say, I am secure in what God thinks of me. I mean, think about it. If all the people thought you were nothing, but God thought highly of you, who's the better judge? We don't please people. We we, we please the Father. We please God. Look at Romans uh, 3.23. Just giving you lots of ammo. Lots of ammo. You can go over these scriptures and say, nope, there's this, 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 this. You know, we put all these scriptures up on our website. You can go back and look at them. You can look them up for yourself. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation or payment by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because it is in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Verse 24, that we being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood. So we're redeemed by the blood of Christ. Look at Revelation 1 verse 4. Revelation 1 verse 4 says, uh, this is John writing this, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is in, who is and who was and who is to come. You know, we mentioned this in the announcements that the, uh, not today, I think, but before, um, you know, the youth are reading Revelation this month in their Bible reading. And we mentioned this. It says at the beginning of Revelation, grace to you and peace from him who is in and who is and who is to come from the seven spirits. There's grace and peace to you as you're reading Revelation. Anything that would bring fear is not of God. We can understand some things, but we don't need to be in fear. Don't need to be afraid of what's going on in the end times and different rattlings in the world like there is now. We can be secure and strong. Grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before His throne and from Jesus Christ, His faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and from the ruler over the kings of the earth. To Him who loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood and has made us kings and priests to His God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Here it says, to Him. This is, the way this, these words ring, it is so solemn and powerful and majestic. The things of God are not light. They are serious and there's a reverence. This is the King of the universe declaring these things, saying this is truth. For, so for anybody to rise up in their mind and say, well, I don't think that's true, it's blasphemous, One, but it's just, it's, it's pride and it's arrogant. If God calls you these things, we ought to agree with Him. He's right. It says, to Him who loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood and made us kings, and priest to his God and Father. And then it says, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. He said, it, it says it's, he's made us kings and priests, washed in the blood of the Lamb, washed in his son's blood. That is a legal thing. That is a reverential thing. That is a holy thing. I remember Brother uh, Kenneth E. Hagan, uh, you know, he saw multiple visions of Jesus over a time it, that, that he was living, saw the head of the church, saw the Lord Jesus Christ. And there was one time he saw Jesus and he went to the floor and put his hands on his feet. And he just said, I'm so unworthy. I'm so unworthy. And Jesus said, see that you don't do that. Get up. Get up from there because I've made you worthy. It is not a light thing for you to say, I'm not worthy. It is not a light thing for you to say, oh, I'm just, I'm just such a worm. I've just messed up so much. You are calling the blood of Jesus not enough. That's good. Yeah. 
That is not a light thing with God. It is not a humble. He doesn't go, oh, I know, sweet, sweetheart, I know, daughter, I know, son, you know, you're just trying so hard. He says, get up. Get up from there. I've called you worthy. I've washed you in my blood. I've made you a king and a priest. That's no way for a king to act. That's no way for a child of Almighty God to act. Stand up. You're washed in his blood. You're made righteous. You're made right. A little bit further in Revelation. It says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls of, of, full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. You have redeemed us by, to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Notice this says, you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Notice what it says, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, you have made us kings and priests to our God. That See, anything that would put anybody on the earth into a category because of their background or their nationality or the color of their skin or anything is of the devil because God has redeemed all of mankind from every tribe and tongue and background and made them kings and priests if they'll only receive. What we look like and where we came from has nothing to do with our value. Our value is determined because the king paid for us. And anything that would ever put anybody into a category, thoughts that come across our mind, anything like that is of the devil. It's from the pit of hell and it is irreverent to our God. I love the fact that we have so many backgrounds and nationalities in this church because that's what heaven's going to look like. Jesus is not sent to one people group or one age group. The church is supposed to be across all generations. We don't just reach certain people. That's foolish. We're supposed to have young people and babies and young couples and middle-aged and more mature people. We can help each other. We're, it's supposed to be a family. That's the way heaven's going to look. And we're supposed to have, oh, you know, when people say, oh, this is, a, this is of this nationality church. And this, I mean, I understand there's certain people, you know, that, that if they're called to reach certain people, but we're supposed to be across the board. We're supposed to be all together and all in a family because we don't look at the exterior. You have to look past that into what the king values, and that's the people. This is, this what we have here is just going to be shed anyway. This is not what we look like. This is just what our parents look like. (laughs) And their parents look like. And if you go back to Adam, Adam probably looked, and Eve, they probably looked, they they had every bit of us in them. Every nationality, every color. People say, how is that possible? Look, look at certain people that, that have a, a real good mixture in them. They have, they have everything in them. Well, you, you can just the genes going down can just spread into all these things. That doesn't mean that, that there was multiple Adams and multiple Eves. I mean, just look at two parents. 
they have, I mean, we get, get this all the time. Your kids look so different <laughs> from, from each other. Like, you know, you know, if you look at it with the parents, you say, oh, they look, kind of look the same. But, you know, when they, like people would think Christina and Julia aren't even sisters when they see them some time away from. <laughs> That's just four. If you go all the way back up the chain, everything was in Adam and Eve to produce all of that we see. Not hard to believe. So this is just superficial. God values who we are on the inside and who He's made us. And He values us not based on any external thing or any background. He values us because He loves us and paid that price for us. And so we, anything that would tell us God doesn't love us or God doesn't care for us, we need to reject out of hand. Let's go to Romans 8.31 finally. Talking about that He cares for us. Cares for us. Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If God didn't spare his son, what we're talking about, that he sent his son to be the redemption, to be the payment. If he didn't spare his son, if he actually let his son be the payment for us, how will he not give us all things? In other words, The things, the things that we think we need that we would be tempted to say, well, there's not this here right now, therefore, does God really care for me? We're valuing that thing more than the fact that God said, I already gave you the most valuable person, thing, if you want to say, that's ever been, the blood of Jesus has already been paid for you, and you're going to say this thing because of that, that's more valuable than what I already gave you? If, you, if you're a parent, think of one of your children. If you're not a parent, think of the most precious person, that most, the closest person to you. Now, we wouldn't do this, but if, if you gave, there was some situation where you, there was a, somebody was in trouble, somebody needed help, and the only way you could get them out of it was to sacrifice your son or daughter. Of course, we can't imagine it, and so we're not talking about it for real. But I just want you for a moment to think, if, if you were to give up your son or daughter to make the payment for somebody else so that they could be okay, and just for a moment, think about the reality of that. You, you, you physically, you're not going to see your son or daughter on this earth again because you gave it for this other person. If they were to come to you and question whether you loved them or not, I mean, would you even have words? So what you're asking me is, if they thought, well, I don't know if you'll, they they got upset and they got fretful and they, they they don't know if you really like them. You didn't say something to them a different way. I don't know if you really like them. You look at them and say, you're thinking, 
I gave you my son. I gave you my daughter. Literally, I'm not going to see them. You're questioning whether I love you or not. I can't get them back. I'm not going to see them in this earth. I did that for you. That's what God is saying here. If, if God didn't spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also give us freely everything else? In other words, this other stuff is important. If he did that for us, he absolutely cares for you, and we need to put our trust in him that he cares for us, and that needs to settle it. Anything else is, it, it, it's irreverent. It's not thinking. It's going by some feeling. When Everything on the table, everything that's been done says He loves us more than we can even fathom. He values us and cares for us more than we can even fathom. And we need to, for that to become real in our lives, we need to start acting like it's true because of what He said it, not because of what we think, not because of what circumstances are, not because of what we feel. We need to just look at what He's done and say, I believe that. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and you believe that enough that He rose from the dead, and that um, by believing on Him, you could be saved. If you believe that, then we ought to believe what he else He said in the Word about what that price was paid for us and how much He values us, and do away with the thinking that somehow He doesn't love us. We need to be the, let the Word be that authority and say, no, I take it. I, I, it. Your feelings may be going completely south during the day, but if you'll say, I don't care what my feelings are. I believe God loves me, and He's coming through for me. You say that. You speak it out. You start to say, Lord, I just thank you that you value me. You love me. You care for me, and you're working for my good, and I'm going to come over whatever this thing that's trying to push me down, and I don't care what they said, and I don't care what somebody else questions my value. That has nothing to do with it. I will believe you and trust you, and I am going on with you. I'm going over, and I will have good success in this life because you love me, and you just stay there, and don't let that other stuff push you off. Then it will become real to you. God loves us. He cares for us. It's not Jim up here preaching it out of his own head. God sent his son to die for us as the highest payment for us, and that should settle it in our minds, and we just need to agree with it and let that be the truth. That'll bring you through every storm of life. It's you stay in the world, nobody loves you. You believe what God said, and that'll take you through. 